What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Fam, I've been home for an entire week. Got to go to my favorite coffee shop, drink my favorite coffee, eat my favorite acai bowl, swim in the ocean and open back up my laptop. I love, I really thrive in routine. I love freedom but I believe that structure creates freedom and I am the embodiment of the chaotic feminine. The feminine is chaotic in nature and I believe and I teach the principle that the chaotic feminine flourishes and thrives in a grounded, structured, safe, masculine container and we all have the ability to embody both of those energies, the feminine and the masculine, and we have the ability to embody and create that own structure and stability for ourselves so that we can flourish and thrive within our own structure. And for me, routine creates exactly that, which is why it was so essentially nurturing for me to get back to my fitness and my cafe and my work and my schedule. And it was really great to be on holiday and do the flip side of that as well. You know, that's contrast, that's life, that's the yin and the yang. But today's episode is not at all about yin, yang, flourishing, masculine, feminine, energetics, containers, and all holidays. Today's episode is a guest episode with the incredible M Fawcett. She's become a fast friend, someone who's only newly introduced to my world this past one year. M is a nutritionist and NLP practitioner. She calls herself a holistic mind, body, soul, and health coach. She's unbelievable. She's so well-loved, so well-respected. She's so intelligent. I can see her so adored by her clients online, and I also know many of her clients in person. Many of her clients are my friends. Em is so loved by so many people and for a really good reason. As soon as I met Em and found out about the work that she is doing and gifting to this world, I just knew I had to get her on the podcast really because body image and body image healing had played such a large pivotal role in my journey. And I know as a young woman, I looked at women with these aesthetic images as successful, as happy, as the pinnacle of what could be fulfillment for me. And I didn't realize that I was looking at body image as a way to band-aid what was going on internally for myself. And I was actually a fitness professional for many years. And at one stage, I thought to myself, I'm adding to the problem rather than co-creating solution. And if I can't create solution, then I get to remove myself so that I'm not a part of the causation of the problem. M is this incredible woman who is adding to the solution. Today, we deep dive into body image healing and we really go there in terms of childhood trauma and understanding childhood trauma and how the nervous system impacts our relationship with both body and food. So if body and food has been a part of your journey, is currently a part of your journey, and or you're looking to take yourself on some kind of fitness, health, and or aesthetic journey, you're in the right place. M is an absolute wealth of knowledge and wisdom. She shares through not only education, but her own lived experiences as well. So it's really easy to understand and for us to then be able to receive her tools and then go and apply to our own life. If you love this podcast, if you're so inspired by M and or myself, I would love for you to screenshot this episode, share it to your story and tag the both of us so that we can connect with you. I cannot wait to hear what you receive from today's episode. Strap yourself in fam. I know that you're going to love today's podcast just as much as I love recording it. Let's fucking go. 
And Fossa, I am so excited for you to be here with me right here, right now. I get the privilege and pleasure of seeing you frequently in person, but welcome to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast. Hello, beautiful. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. I'm very excited to be here chatting about all things nutrition, childhood trauma, how that impacts our relationship with food. Let's get into it. Oh my God. It's so amazing to see who you are, what you do in the world, and then to ask you, what is it that is really pressing on your heart? And the first thing you say is how our behaviors as women are independent by our behaviors in childhood. Amazing. Mm. But before we even go there, because that's just like, that gets me on fire, especially based on my own personal journey with food, body image, and all of those things. But first of all, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do in the world? Let the audience know where you're coming from. Of course. Okay. I'm getting a little bit excited here, Beck. Um, so Emmeline Fawcett, I am originally from New Zealand. I studied clinical nutrition at university. I am an XPT, a women's coach. As you know, I've also delved into NLP and mindset coaching to really help kind of like unlock a lot of the barriers that my clients are going through. So I've been working in the clinical nutrition space for six years now. And I absolutely love what I do. I love helping people create healthier relationships with food. Amazing. How did you get into that journey? Like, how did this become your personal journey? Do you know what? I think it started because I realized that personal training wasn't the only thing that was sort of holding people back from really creating lifestyle change. And I realized how important food really was to create physical change. And also women struggle a lot with their relationship with food. So I just organically kind of led into wanting to work more with women. And so you have a huge passion for working specifically, uniquely with women online in the online space. Yeah, look, it's been an interesting kind of change that I've organically moved towards. I think I did appeal a lot to men and women, but the reality is that I relate to women. I've been through these experiences, so it was a completely natural change for me. So when you speak about these experiences that you've been through, that you then go and see your own clients navigating through as well, that you know that you can support them with, that creates that deep relatability. What are those experiences? What do they look like? What do they show up as in your past life and in your client's life now? Sure. Oh, man, great question. So when I was younger, I think a lot of the trauma I went through with my parents was very much related to body image. Um, Unfortunately, my dad, although a very loving man, was very critical. And that came through in my relationship with food in my teens. So, you know, I really struggled with body image. I was drawn into bodybuilding at a very young age to try to, I guess, the perfectionist mindset came out. And I did struggle a bit with food myself. So I think naturally having gone through that and then gone through the healing journey of, you know, healing my trauma, healing my relationship with myself, healing my relationship with my parents, I realized how pivotal this was to kind of unlocking the best version of myself. So that was really where that came from. And I now obviously want to help my clients embody the best version of themselves, heal their trauma, heal their relationship with food. And that's where so much of the NLP and mindset stuff comes in. And when I first started in clinical nutrition, it was like things were sticking, but there was just a missing element. And now I realize a lot of it is those wounds that we don't work on. Um, and it comes through in our lifestyle behaviors, how we speak to ourselves, the food that we eat, the way that people move or don't move enough, for example. So, yeah. I love this so much. I've been so excited to talk with you because my entire journey stemmed from seeking approval, acceptance, and love in the fitness industry and through food and through body image. And I had no idea that that is exactly what I was doing. And so do you see that being reflected back to you often? 
Oh, all the time. I think a lot of people actually aren't even aware that they might be somewhat, I don't even want to use the word disordered because it's such a big word, but a lot of people don't know that their behaviours and norms probably aren't within a normal range. And I think it's not until people start to embark on a healing journey that they recognise and reflect back and be like, oh, actually, you know what? I was taking out a lot of my own trauma on my body or, you know, restriction with food or perpetual dieting cycles. So absolutely, it's something that comes about really frequently. Amazing. So how do you navigate that now as the coach mentor? How do you get, say, a past version of Beck or you have a woman come to you that you know she's got trauma and wounds and things that she hasn't faced off with, perhaps childhood trauma, She's not aware of it. Maybe she isn't in the personal development world yet and she sees your Instagram. She sees these beautiful bodies of beautiful women and she thinks to herself, if I was to look like that, then I will love myself. And so she applies to work with you. How do you navigate that woman? Sure. So it's been really interesting to kind of go through this process of working out how many layers can I peel back from a person because not everyone is open to it. So initially people come in, they start the lifestyle program, they get nutrition coaching, they get training education and coaching. And when obstacles pop up, that's when I start to try and peel back a few layers, right? Because a lot of people do come to me and they think, I just want to transform my body. But actually what I do is whole person, higher self work, as well as body transformation. So really a lot of the deeper stuff only pops up if we start to find obstacles on the journey. So issues with maybe binge eating might pop up or struggling to adhere to a nutrition plan or maybe like self-doubt might pop up. And then I kind of work out how far I can kind of take things with the client because not everyone is really open and ready to peel back those layers and go deep into the wound. So I kind of allow it to be a sort of process that happens with each client. And some are very willing from week one, I send them through a form to fill out about limiting beliefs and things like that, just to see their understanding of themselves. And then that will kind of guide my journey of knowing how much I can really get in there with them. Because a lot of people aren't ready and some are extremely open and completely ready to dive in. So it's different for every client, to be completely honest. Mm, Amazing. And for those people who aren't ready, you feel like it's still a worthwhile experience for them to see. I mean, I know that yours is elite coaching by him. So I, I see these women and they're going to see this physique and this beautiful, elite, incredible body. And they're desiring that it's potentially a band aid for core wounds that they maybe don't even realize exist. Oh, is sure. it still beneficial for them to want to go down that journey? Or do you feel it could do more harm than good if they're unwilling? to really look at the drivers that are wanting them to achieve that physique from a really unhealthy, traumatic place? Yeah, I think no matter what, it's going to be beneficial because they're going to learn how to nourish their body better. They're going to learn how to eat a whole food, nutrient-dense diet. They're going to learn how to move with purpose and gain strength in the gym and feel you know, more physically well in mind and body. So no matter what, whether they want to peel back those layers and dive deep into healing the parts of themselves that maybe they're not ready to, they're going to get that incredible lifelong lifestyle education which is you know invaluable for people i mean if you look globally we've got a global obesity epidemic we've got issues with diabetes rising in australia and new zealand we've got you know rates of bowel cancer going up like there's so many health related issues so i think in general especially if you go to the doctor i mean they know nothing about nutrition you know so there really is so much misinformation out there that no matter what coming on the program you're going to learn so much you're going to get the one 
one-to-one coaching from me, they get the education, which they can carry through throughout their life. So the thing with my program is that they might embody like a physical change, but then I also, I teach them how to maintain a balanced lifestyle at the end of the program. So it's not just go through this rapid body transformation and see you later on, you know, X amount of calories. It's okay. How do we actually sustain this long-term? So to answer your question, it doesn't matter as much if they're not ready to. I think it's a good place for them to start. And who knows, maybe when they leave the program, it'll have a few questions in their mind and they might even spark some people to begin a journey sooner rather than later. I mean, as much as I feel mine triggered my disordered eating, I feel like it was so pivotal in my revealing and becoming process and really getting to understand that the wounds were actually there. I didn't know that they were. And it was through the disordered eating that it made me realize this is what exists for me. Do you know what? I actually had such a similar experience. It wasn't until I went through my very first bodybuilding show at 18 and I had this terrible rebound post-show. I was binge eating and I, you know, got really bad post-show depression, which is a really common thing with bodybuilders. Um, that was actually sort of the start of my journey of being like, okay, but where does this actually come from? Where does my desire to do bodybuilding come from? And that's what triggered the sort of journey of understanding well, actually, when I was younger, I used to have X said to me about my body or, you know, so the same thing happened to me. It wasn't an intentional journey. It was, it was like I fell upon it. And then all of a sudden things start coming up and you're like, okay, well, I need to work out where this is coming from so I don't go through this again. So I literally had a very similar experience. Amazing. I love that. So to clarify, it originally came from where? you my trauma so I think that this came from my childhood my dad raised me on his own from when I was six years old to 16 my mom wasn't really around and although a very loving man he raised me very old school and he was unfortunately a little bit abusive emotionally and physically he was highly criticized and through the healing journey you learn what your parents upbringing and trauma is so he was highly criticized in in his childhood by his parents and it's intergenerational trauma right so it gets passed down he was hypercritical of me um comments on body all the time I wasn't the smallest child and that constantly got brought up and yeah it it comes from there and so because 18 to do your very first bodybuilding show is really young I mean, I guess young is subjective, but 18 to me seems super young. Oh, I was so young and I think I had a really big perfectionist mindset going on um, and that was inherited from my childhood and, and my dad was a very high-performing individual through his business. He played professional sports, so he was very much a perfectionist in life and I, and I know that I adopted that mentality and I think I was seeking that external validation. I wanted to go and compete on stage to prove I was the best to compete with other people to, yeah, receive that that external gratification. And in reality, once I did it, it was empty. And I think that's what sparks the depression. That's what sparks a lot of the post-show roller coaster that you go through. So that was going to be my next question for you. Sorry to cut you off. Is mm-hmm. you had this thought and feeling that I'm going to compete for this thing, and on the day it's going to bring me the feeling of whatever I was trying to prove, whether it was to my father or anyone else, that I'm the best, and fill in the blank. You had an expectation of what the day would bring you and what feeling did you actually get? It was disappointment because in that show, I didn't place. It was almost like the highest high that you can imagine this build up, right? Because you prep for three, four, five months, you know, in length and you're so hyper-focused on a goal. So there's so much build up. Your nervous system is so highly activated that entire time. Plus you're obviously in a large calorie deficit. You're overworking your body physically. And then on the day, it's like all of the adrenaline in your body just crashes. 
it's just, it's a hormonal change. It's a chemical change as well. It's not just emotional. It's all of those things. So it's, it was overwhelm, exhaustion, and then sadness, I think, because, you know, you think that this event is going to be incredible. And the reality is that it wasn't. It's, it's a tough realization. I um, did my first competition when I was 21 and I think I prepped for it for months and months and months and months. And I thought that on this day, like, doves would fall out of the sky and just like this feeling of true acceptance and happiness would land. And on the day when it didn't come, I just felt uh, just such similar resonance to everything that you said, disappointment, sadness, overwhelm, most of the thoughts. Like Mm -hmm. I worked so hard to get this feeling and the feeling was here. And almost like now what? Where do I look now to get that feeling? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I think because I was young, I also, it was never about the journey. It wasn't, it was about the end result. It was like, I wanted to go to win, right? It was such an isolated desire. Whereas, you know, to reflect now, I did a second show April last year. And for me, I've taken that learning experience from when I was 18 to now, and I made it more about the journey. And one thing I really appreciated about the more recent show that I did was the connection with women on the day. I made some beautiful friendships that I still have now. Soul kinships, most beautiful, beautiful friends. So look, I think you know, for anyone out there listening that ever does consider bodybuilding or anything, my one piece of advice would definitely be about embracing the journey, the journey to stage. You can't just make it about the placing on the day. It'll end up being unfulfilling. Beautiful. I love that. It's the time you have all been waiting for. If you're listening to this podcast live right now, I am so excited to tell you that the doors for true transformation are finally open. This eight-week, high-level, fully supported program will support you to break free from your limiting beliefs, break through any thoughts and fears of unworthiness, activate your voice, and unlock the fullness of your self-expression. This is some of my favorite work, fam, which is why this program always sells out. True Transformation is something that has helped previous clients to speak their truth, live from courage, get into alignment with their core desires, confidently get into the dating game, define the standards and powerfully be a stand for those standards, call in their aligned partner, break through and break free from herpes stigma and shame, break free from the fear of rejection, create a healthy and thriving relationship with both food and body, and be a part of a connected community of women who more often than not become best friends for life. You are listening to this for a reason. If you're ready to take aligned action, head to the link in the show notes to see your exclusive raw, real and vulnerable podcast community code, complete your application form and get ready to change your life. Let's fucking go. I have a question for you for the 18 year young version of you who was competing. If you could go back now as the M who sits in front of us and you were to provide her so much nurturance, what would you be saying to her? I would tell her she is enough. I would also talk to her about the fact that people's words only carry as much meaning as what we assign to it. Um, unfortunately, when it's coming from your parents, it's something that we assign a lot of meaning to, especially when you're young. But I would tell her to fill her own cup up and tell her she's enough and she doesn't need anything else in her external world for happiness other than exactly who she is. I'd want to give her love and a hug and tell her she's beautiful and she doesn't need to change. Mm, I love that so much. And so you completed last year and you're actually a pro, a WBF. I am. I know. I know. I know. It's so funny. I don't even bring that up as like one of my credentials. I'm like, I'm a nutritionist. I'm a woman's coach. But yeah, so look, I I did. I I won the show last year um, in April. 
um, for WBFF, I turned pro in bikini, which was an incredible achievement and not something that I thought would happen on my first show because normally that's quite rare. So yeah, that was one incredible achievement. And I feel like the journey really represented the outcome in the sense that I made it more about the process than I did about the end result. And then look what manifested. Do you know what I mean? So it was such a beautiful outcome. And for clarity's sake, what age are you now in? I am 29. The reason I ask that is 10 years later, you go from someone that was really seeking in this event to feel a certain way about herself, had no awareness of her childhood trauma, maybe some amount of awareness of your perfectionism tendencies, not sure where they stem from. Through this show, afterwards you feel depressed, you have post-show depression, and then 10 years later you go and you're all about the journey, you make incredible friendships, you've got this incredible healthy body. I mean, I know for a fact that we've eaten pizza together, we've drunk wine together. So I'm <laughs> saying you come and eat. I am Bella. <laughs> <laughs> I feel my ultimate smoke in smoke because it's not like, oh, my God, all I eat is chicken and broccoli, which uh, when I was 20, that was my life. There was no uh, relationship with food other than, like, chicken, broccoli, and maybe a little bit of sweet potato. How did you yeah. transmute that energy from, like, pain and trying to strive from your trauma to transmuting it and doing it from a place of desire and worthiness and culture and embracing female friendships and forgetting about the destination, being all about the experience to get to stage and through that actually getting the destination that your 18-year-old self wanted, but you're so unattached to it. Tell us about that. Oh, look, Vic, over the last 10 years, I feel like I could write a book on my life of, of what I've been through, but I think the really pivotal things that I went through between now and then was probably a lot of um, psychotherapy. I'm really big on therapy. I think it's a great place to self-reflect. I think it's a great place to go and safely communicate and open things up there. So I did a lot of trauma healing clinically. I also have done a lot of travel, which really opened up my mind and I guess my perception of the world, seeing how a lot of other people live. And, you know, it really... It gives you a worldly view. Travel really opened up my heart and made me grateful for all the things that I have. They say travel makes you richer. It really does. I think on top of that, also, I've embarked on a very spiritual journey where, you know, I've connected more with my inner self. I've connected more with, I think, the spiritual realm. It's funny. I went to a very religious private school when I was younger and it was all very much about the church. And while I respect all of that, I've definitely found home in spirituality. I love meditation and crystals and everything like that. So I think a lot of that has really helped me to heal and center myself from a really grounded place. So it's been an interesting combination of like clinical psychology, self-healing through a lot of reading, education, and then obviously my spiritual journey. I've been through a lot of healing in, in my own personal relationships as well with my mom, with my dad, Um, We've really worked on our relationships and relationships with other family members and friends as well. So it's been a lot of things. It's it's a complex answer, but I think a combination of all of those things. Psychotherapy, travel, and spirituality. Mm -hmm, That's it. (laughs) I love that. So you really are a massive testament to what doing the work can create for you because what um, drives your desires now for this elite physique that you have the photo shoots that you do with these beautiful women and I'm friends with some of the women who have done your work and saying what an empowering, exciting, liberating, expansive experience it was for them. What is it that drives you? 
I think it's just wanting to see women go through the healing journey and the involvement that I've been through myself because a lot of women feel stuck, right? They feel trapped. And especially when it comes to, to eating, it's something that's so personal and so close to all of us. I want to help them feel the freedom that I feel in my lifestyle, not having to suffer with food guilt, not having to have low body confidence and low self-esteem and not being able to show up in their relationships and their work and, and their career as that better version of themselves. And it's something so simple that can keep women trapped, like their relationship with food. And it's to me, it's such a huge involvement. Imagine if every time you went to go and eat a meal, you weren't freaking out about food guilt or you weren't having to feel like you had to track every single calorie or or stress over eating a bit of chocolate, right? Food guilt is a big thing. So I think what drives me is just wanting to see women embody the best version of themselves, you know, with a healed relationship with food, being able to exercise with freedom as opposed to feeling like, oh, I have to go and do this and be able to just show up and be happy in themselves and within their body. Like so many women and really struggle with just showing up with general body confidence. And I don't think it's something that we ever fully heal, if I'm completely honest, but I feel like I can help women transition from that really low kind of low vibrational version of self into actually I'm really learning to accept myself as I am and, you know, enjoy food for what it is and be able to be in social situations without feeling all of that restriction or pressure or the guilt that's associated with it. So I really, I just want to see them transform to a happier version of self as I'm sure you do in your work as well. It's so gratifying when you see people go through those personal transformations and being able to witness it, it literally inspires me every day. Like I wake up every day and, you know, I love what I do. It never feels like work. It's so rewarding for me intrinsically. Like some days I will, (laughs) this is so cheesy. Some days, especially on my check-in days, I get really emotional. Like I, you know, and I I jump on these client calls and, and literally like I get emotional because I'm filled with happiness and relief for these women that are just going through these transformations. I love that so much. I love your passion behind everything that you do as well. And I think that's really it, right? Like I do my work so that women can go and live their lives and you do your work with a very similar essence. You're supporting these women to have these healthy relationships with themselves, with their bodies, with their food, so they can actually you know, like go out like we did on the weekend, have a glass of wine. There was a time in my life where I wouldn't have been able to go to an event like that and actually sit down and be present and enjoy a drink, enjoy a bite of food that wasn't on my plan. Then I would be filled with so much resentment, anger, watching everyone else have a good time and feeling that I was limiting myself from being able to do it. Like the guilt that you speak about, that was so real and consuming 99% of my thoughts all day long. What would you say to a woman who is in that experience? Maybe she's going through this huge resistance to her body, can't create this healthy relationship with food, tried every diet on the planet, invested in every personal trainer that there is, and just feels like, where do I turn to now? I just, there's no place for me to get help. I'm always going to be like this and it's always going to control my life. I can never be present and enjoy my life because of the thoughts and feelings about food and body image. If you're in that totally and fully consumed place, I think the best place to start is stop trying to diet. You need to probably work with someone like myself, a whole food nutritionist who is just going to teach you how to eat sustainably, learn how to maintain a normal diet right? Just maintain body weight. I think people get stuck in perpetual dieting cycles when the reality is that 
if you're not happy within yourself now, it's unlikely unless you work on the internal stuff. If you lose five or 10 kilos, you're still going to have those demons internally. So the reality is that you need to learn how to just eat a balanced whole food sustainable diet while working on yourself. And then if down the track, you still feel that you need that fat loss, then okay, that's something that you can embark on when you're moving forward with a healthier relationship with food. But perpetual dieting, you're just going in cycles. You're walking down the same path, falling in the same hole. So I think the thing is, is stop dieting. Then the second thing is work out what movement makes you feel good. It doesn't have to be going to the gym on a six-day-a-week weight program. It doesn't have to be doing the head classes at the gym. You need to work out what makes you feel good and you need to start doing that. And with a lot of my clients, I just start with walking, whether it's on your own, with music, or you know, just out in nature, just Find something that suits you and then you're not feeling pressure around and then move forward like naturally from that direction. It's about relieving pressure off yourself. If you've been perpetually dieting for a very long time, you have to at some point come to a place where you're like, okay, this isn't working for me. I need sustainability. I need to think about health and I need to come from a place of nourishment. I love that so much. And really that reminds me of my journey. I had been that perpetual dieter. And I was like, well, if that diet isn't working, then keto maybe will work. If keto isn't working, then maybe this will work. I've tried every diet known to man. And I was going away on a holiday with an ex-boyfriend and he turned around and said to me, you know what, Beck? for two weeks, we're not going to worry about what we eat. We're just going to eat whatever we want for two weeks. Whatever happens in that time, we're going to come back home to Perth. We're going to be healthy. We can go and do Jacob's Ladder. We can exercise four times a week, but we'll worry about that after the holiday. And in my head, I was just like, I'm going to put on so much weight. Like I'm already dieting and I feel like I'm putting on weight. Imagine once I eat, I didn't even think I put on, I can't remember how, it wasn't a lot of weight. It was just a normal amount of weight if you went on holiday and ate whatever you wanted. And that was kind of the catalyst of, well, me being in this perpetual diet cycle was ruining my life. I went on a holiday and enjoyed myself and actually got to be present with people and food. Maybe... The diet cycle is the thing that's ruining my life, not the thing that's going to make my life better. Oh, absolutely. And I think the thing with women is that we apply so much pressure to ourselves and it's an internal pressure, but it's also external. It's the media, it's it's culture, it's, it's social media, it's Instagram, it's society. There is a lot of pressure on women. We need to work out ways to kind of like validate ourselves without succumbing to what we think the ideal body should look like. And our generation is getting better with this, Beck. I think that we are broadening what the norms are now. You know, in the 90s, it was like stick thin model figure and that was it. And now we're sort of growing into this curvature and we're within this shape's okay and that shape's okay. So culturally, I think we're getting better, but women, we still internally, we apply so much pressure to ourselves. And the moment that you relieve that pressure, it changes your perception and it relieves that kind of stress. And what would you say to any woman who is on Instagram and sees a body that she deems to be beautiful or better than her own and all of a sudden immediately she's like anchored in this feeling of a deep sense of pressure and needing to change who she is based on whatever social media or Instagram is reflecting back to her in that moment? I think that we have to be more self-aware of the media that we're absorbing. And I think if anything is giving you a negative feedback on social media, you need to remove it off your page. Um, you know, and it's, it's funny that you bring this up because I've even had concerns about this with my clients coming from the competing background. And I do fear that, that people might look at those photos and think, oh, that's attainable, I want to achieve that. But that's why I speak a lot about 
what a sustainable body actually looks like and feels like. And unfortunately, social media now, everything is edited, it's filtered. There's so much that's not truth on social media. So if you are having any form of negative feedback mechanism from things that you're absorbing in the media, not even on social media, any media or any conversations or people in your life, you need to minimize the exposure to that at the end of the day. You don't want to be getting on your phone and not feeling good about yourself. You need to be following people who inspire you. You need to be following people who uplift you, who support healthy body image and balance in life. So I think absolutely if you've got people on social media that don't make you feel good within yourself, get rid of them. You know, life's too short. You don't want to be waking up, looking at your phone every day, not feeling good about yourself. I'm very heavy on the mute button. Even when I love what people share, I think to myself, if it's going to get in my mind, and block me from my own sense of creativity. Just mute. I don't need to see it. If it's triggering me, don't need to see it. <laughs> you know, I get to really protect my mental space. And for me, it's more of a creative thing. I never want to see someone online because obviously we're online creating for our audience to be able to connect with us. If I ever feel a dampening within my own creativity, I'm just like, let's just start muting almost everyone in my feed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's completely fair enough, you know. You have to put yourself first. But I think a lot of people, I think women in general, we look to other people for inspiration when really what we want to be doing is inspiring ourselves. We want to have that full body acceptance of self, knowing that, okay, I, I have different genetics to someone else. I have a different lifestyle to someone else. And so I can't be looking to external people to want to look like them. I, I want to look like me, but maybe I want to improve X or, or maybe I want to stay exactly the same. It's up to you. But rather than comparing yourself to someone else, you need to be wholly loving and accepting of your own body. So look, I support you, you babe. You put anyone on mute that you feel you need to. Thank you, Em. <laughs> um, question. Before we complete, I want to dive into maybe some top tips around A, spirituality, because you said that was such a supportive thing for you, and then B, unpacking our childhood trauma. So I know you said psychotherapy, travel, and spirituality are three keys to you really transmuting that energy into that worthiness piece where you just desire to be the best version of you from a really healthy place and you achieve WBFF Pro. That to me is wild, especially from the place that you came 10 years ago. So could you share maybe three spirituality practices that you feel would be super supportive for any woman listening that is like, oh, my God, I've wanted this body and now I'm realizing it's coming from a really perhaps unhealthy place? Sure. Um, I really love self-love meditations. And if you haven't meditated before, it probably – I feel like meditation almost has a stigma to it. Like, you know, you tell people to meditate and they sort of roll their eyes, but it's not until you get into the practice of it that you understand how healing it can really be for yourself. And I think just start with a couple of minutes a day. Meditation doesn't have to be legs crossed, fingers in the air, eyes closed. Meditation can be done anywhere in any shape and form. It can be seated at your desk. It can be while you're sitting at the lights in the car. It can be literally while you're out walking, right? So meditation is just about coming back to self, focusing on your breath and centering yourself. So I think start there, do what feels natural, even if it's just a couple of minutes a day. It doesn't have to be half an hour, an hour in length. There are some really good guided meditations on YouTube and Spotify as well if you feel that you want to go through a guided meditation. But I think meditation is definitely my number one practice. It's actually sorry to cut you off one second. There's a free 21-day, 21-minute gratitude meditation on YouTube. And I always listen to her and she's like, thank you for this day. Thank you for the air I breathe. Thank you. And as soon as I, it's really funny, I'm going to put it in the show notes because as soon as I listen to it, all I can hear is that in my head all day long. And if I ever feel really stuck and I can't meditate, 
I'll just go straight to YouTube and play her. And I'm like, oh, I feel so light and happy and grateful now. No, I know. Isn't it incredible how it changes your internal state, though? And that's honestly the power of it. It's, it's just beautiful. Point number two, you were saying journaling. Yeah. Number two, journaling, self-reflective writing. And it doesn't have to be anything specific. It can just be your thoughts for the day, emotions for the day. Sometimes being able to get it out of your head and onto paper, I think, probably helps us to emotionally digest and maybe even let go of some of that emotion. So no matter what you're feeling, get a pen and paper out, write it down. And it's also beautiful to go back and reflect on that writing you know, at a late date, whether it's the next day or, or a couple of weeks later. And you get to kind of learn yourself a lot more. I think we have a lot going on in our mind. And sometimes when we put it to paper, it makes a little bit more sense. So I'm really big on journaling. And so the third one is I really love crystals. So it's a practice for me that I find really soothing and really healing, cleansing crystals, buying crystals, keeping them around the house. I really, really love crystals and also incense. Um, and this kind of comes a little bit from an understanding of science as well. So some of the healing things that I get my clients to do on their journey, if they're very open, is all to do with regulation of nervous system. So this comes from the five human senses. So I get them to work on soothing the nervous system through the five senses. So smell is a really powerful healer for me. So incense, taste is also one. So using hot and cold drinks, for example, can be really soothing for the nervous system if you're overactivated. Hot and cold showers, soothing music, which is where the meditation comes in. So I love smell for me I have worked out as a really healing one so incense diffusers nice smellies things like that so with the crystals it's sort of like a, a meditative process for me and then I also light incense and I just find it brings a really soothing aura to the home or to your room or to your space so those are my three things you know what I always knew that and that's really anchored into me that I get to have some beautiful incense because every time I go to a home that smells like barley I walk in and I'm just like oh my whole body just relaxes and is kind of anchored to the feeling of freedom because Bali, the country itself, makes me feel so free and so alive and so at home. So that is now the next action step for my weekend is to go and get incense. It smells like Bali, but my office smells like it. Honestly, do it. It's it's so soothing. Get a diffuser, play the, you know, relaxing music, whatever it might be. Like each sense kind of like appeals to people differently. So you just work out what your thing is and honestly you'll you'll recognize the real difference in how you feel. Amazing. I'm gonna keep you updated on that. Thank you so much. And then two tips for anyone that is really listening to this and they've identified, I really hear what they're saying nervous system and it's so funny that you bring that up because that's basically been a theme of all the guest speakers recently and I love 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 so much that you introduce that into your work what would you say to any woman that's like yes I'm realizing that I get to unpack some of my childhood stuff that's showing up in my deep desire for this perfect body image that I think will bring me the approval the boyfriend the self-love the self-worth that is lacking in my life right now what two tips to really go there in terms of childhood would you say to that woman uh, there's actually a direct exercise that I get clients to do and anyone can do this. So it's a reflective writing piece on what were my core influences for and who, who and what were my core influences in my childhood in regard to lifestyle, eating behavior and whole person kind of confidence. So basically I get clients to journal and write down and reflect on what did my mom and dad 
you know, speak about in regard to body image when I was a child? What was my mother's relationship with food like? What were mealtimes like? Were there pressures applied, et cetera? So I think self-reflective writing is a really valuable tool to kind of start to unpick some of that stuff to reflect and work out, okay, so this is what I was exposed to when I was younger. And then you can kind of reflect and say, okay, well, this kind of impacts, you know, my lifestyle or or my choices or my relationship with myself in adulthood. And that's a really good place to start. And by all means, this isn't to place blame or to, you know, put responsibility, but it's, it's just about understanding. Um, I, I think that can be really healing for a lot of people. And I think that really is key when it does come to healing childhood trauma and inner child work. One of the very first pretenses of that is this is not to project blame at your parents ever. I mean, I'm just revising some inner child modules that I've been through in a recent course I've been doing, and that was the very, very first line. This is not to project blame at your parents. That's not the purpose of an inner child work. Love that, Em. You know what? You really are the most incredible wealth of knowledge, and I'm so grateful, knowing my journey as well, that there are women like you doing this work and really integrating all aspects to support women to thrive and love themselves from within and then be able to have that external physique they're desiring and actually be with that body and be embodied in their body versus using the body as a vehicle for what's happening internally. So Absolutely. Amazing. It's so powerful, this journey. I feel so grateful to be on here with you. Wait, just before we do complete, I always ask every guest one question, which is the podcast is called Raw, Real and Vulnerable with Beck Antonucci. So I'm wondering, Em, what does it mean for your life to be raw, real and vulnerable? Oh, that's a deep question, Beck. I think to me it means being authentic in self, being able to acknowledge your own wounds, to communicate those wounds to the people around you that you love, to be able to have compassion for other people's wounds and to embody a true version of self that you can be proud of and reflect back on in 50 years' time and be like, I'm happy with who that person is. That's what that means to me. Amazing, 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 amazing. A remarkable woman. And for anyone that's listening to this right now who is like, yes, I need to enter her world. I need to find out about her coaching. If you're a Perth-based woman, she has these incredible women's events that I know so many of the women that have worked with Em and they just love her to bits and what's not to love. Where would the person listening right now find you? So you can find me on Instagram, Elite Coaching by M. My website is www.elitecoachingbym.com or you can contact me on Facebook, Elite Coaching by M. Amazing. That'll all be in the show notes and it has been such a pleasure to share this time with you. Thanks so much, Em. Thank you, gorgeous. I'll chat to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, Firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.